0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Drunken Scholar Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Clays, and this is the Wars in the North series. And where we left off last time was the outbreak of the Great Northern War and Charles being able to mastermind a quick victory and force Denmark out of the war, stuns everybody at the Battle of Narva, and then came down to the Commonwealth, scoring another great victory at Klisov. And today's episode, I want to go way more into the Polish side of things in the campaign in Poland, because it's essentially the events that happened during these years after Narva, in, in the Commonwealth, that essentially decide the fates of both the future of the Commonwealth and the future of the Swedish Empire. And... You know, in order to go forward, we're going to have to go backwards a little bit, right? Because the last time we talked about the Commonwealth really was with the election of Augustus the Strong and him storming Warsaw and taking power. And, you know, Augustus, he has he has big ambitions for the Commonwealth. And for one, like some of his predecessors, he wants to limit and curb the noble's power and get more absolute power to the king for himself. And ideally, under the guise of reclaiming territory from the Swedish and getting it back into the Commonwealth, it would, for one, please the nobles. But two, he could potentially get this land and try to supplant his dynasty on the Polish throne as permanent rulers and naturally a bunch of other rulers have tried to reform the commonwealth they've many have tried to break the noble's power but augustus he's in this position to where he has the strongest chance of success but also the last chance of success for the commonwealth to continue being a people and this is because he has something that the Vasa's and and John Sobieski and all those before him did not have. And that is an external power base, right? So we talked about before about how the session would limit the size of the king's army. So, you know, the nobles could pretty much keep the king in check. However, Augustus wasn't like all the other rulers. He was the elector of Saxony. And so the Sejim's rules and laws don't apply to his electorate in Germany. And through this, he could use his external Saxon army plus his royal forces in the Commonwealth to enforce these changes and have a lot better chance of success than some of his predecessors in the Commonwealth. However, things are going to get really messy here during the great northern war so prior to the great northern war popping off you have the commonwealth who's basically been in a state of constant war since i began this series so it's been almost 150 years of the commonwealth almost constantly being at war and when these when these wars with the turks finally come to a conclusion and an end the magnates and the people of the commonwealth they're preparing for peace these guys have no intentions of going to war whatsoever okay and so when augustus he's plotting and scheming making this alliance with peter of russia and then the danes he's doing this as the elector of saxony right he's not doing this as the king of the commonwealth which he is king of the Commonwealth. But the issue is, is that in order for him to make war, he would need the Sejim's approval to make these alliances and to get the declaration of war voted on, which he did not have. And this is going to be a major issue after this war happens, right? So, you know, fast forward to this whole thing popping off okay augustus he's really encouraged to go into the baltic because as i said in the last episode the people's living over in like estonia livonia and all that these guys are pretty dissatisfied with swedish rule due to their nobility losing a lot of lands to the crown right but after the war pops off the gates of the cities and the towns people just don't they don't surrender like everyone thought they would the calculations were off the people were much more resistant and that combined with the disaster at riga really backfires on augustus here because at the siege of riga this guy he's leading a bunch of uh saxon troops these aren't the polish coming to besiege riga this is the elector of saxony leading the saxons and You know, after he pulls back his forces and Charles wins at Narva in 1700, he wastes no time, right? He starts moving down into the Commonwealth, 1701. And essentially what happens here is that when he's going down into the Commonwealth, the Poles and the Lithuanians, the the Commonwealth delegates end up, going to meet with Charles and try to mediate a peace. Okay. And these guys are in Charles's tent trying to broker some sort of peace deal. And they these guys are like, hey, you're not at war with the Commonwealth. You're at war with Augustus. You're at war with the Saxons. You're, you know, the Commonwealth doesn't want any problems. You know, we want peace. And Charles in his response, he makes a critical error here. Because Charles, being an absolute monarch, he just doesn't seem to comprehend at all what's going on and how Polish politics works. And so from his point of view, he's thinking, you know, he's like, he's like, how could I be at war with Augustus, who's king of the Commonwealth, but yet not be at war with the Commonwealth, even though I'm at war with their king? the polish diplomats they're trying to explain themselves and you know explain to him the situation and so charles he ends up being very stubborn this stubbornness is going to bite him in the ass time and time again as we continue in this war but this is like his first like crazy critical error and so he demands that you know he'll leave the commonwealth alone but augustus needs to be dethroned they need to kick him off the polish crown And these diplomats, they don't have the authority to agree to that. And it just sounds kind of wild because something like that has to be handled by the Sejim. You know, you can't, you're not just going to ban a monarch from office. And so regardless, Charles gets flustered. And during this meeting, the Poles, these diplomats, they are so divided that they start bickering amongst themselves. And eventually Charles kicks these guys out of his tent and continues the March and, you know, come by 1702 Warsaw falls. And at the time when Charles is making his invasion, when he's doing this campaign in the Commonwealth, it's important to note here that most of these Commonwealth forces are all in Ukraine fighting the cossacks this is like a time where the polish problems are really coming to a head if they weren't bad enough already during the deluge but um i'm going to quote here this is something a cossack colonel taunted to his polish prisoners while the poles are trying to subdue them and he says you were once our lords and we your serfs but then you had courage now you have as much as an old woman, and are worthy only of our scorn. For you cannot even defend yourselves. And this is quote from this Cossack colonel over in Ukraine. This kind of will give you an idea of the the state of the Polish army at this point. Um, it's a sad thing, but regardless, m- most of these Commonwealth troops they're tied up in Ukraine. So you know you do have some. You know commonwealth troops helping out augustus trying to defend their own lands you know because after warsaw falls he continues south goes to klisov and we talked about that whole battle and how everything shook out and how the poles they ended up leaving the battlefield halfway through the reason for this is part of again that political disunity in the commonwealth and this man, the the man who's leading the retreat of these these Polish forces during the Battle of Klisof, this guy, he's a Lubomirski, um, not the same one we had mentioned in the past, but of the same line. And so this guy, he's dipping because he wants Augustus to fail. This guy's in the camp of pro Sweden, you know, because again, we said Augustus's election wasn't concrete. It was really sketchy, right? And he kind of shows up to support the king, but only like to have the credit that he was at the battlefield, you know. Because if Augustus by chance had won the battle without the Polish so- showing up, it would have really hurt, you know, this magnate's position. But regardless, while Klisov is going on and Charles is marching south, the Russians they're rebuilding their forces, right? And these Russian armies, they start storming the north in Ingria, trying to retake some of this lost land here. And one by one, these, these garrisons are going to be falling, right? The Swedish put up doggish resistance, but they're just hopelessly outnumbered against the hordes of Russian troops. So I want y'all to keep that in the back of your mind while we go on with this Polish campaign here. One other thing I do need to bring up is the issue of the Sapias brothers. If I'm pronouncing that right, it's uh, S-A-P-I-E-H-A-S. And these guys are some some magnates in the Commonwealth and they create a lot of issues, right? Because these guys, they come to power during John Sobieski's reign and they're still an issue during Augustus's reign. And the issue is, is that these brothers They're able to work the system to their advantage, and one of them is able to become like the head magnate of the Lithuanian part of the Commonwealth, and the other brother is able to become the treasurer of the Lithuanian part of the Commonwealth. And so essentially these guys, they oppose Augustus, okay? They refuse to work with him, and Augustus is trying to undermine these brothers and back and forth and stuff like that. But these guys, they they rule with impunity, pretty much in Lithuania. And what we see here is they end up having like a very tyrannical rule. Uh, all the lower nobility and the common people hate them, but since they oppose Augustus, you know the the enemy, my enemy is my friend, right? And so Charles seeing this as a golden opportunity he ends up making an alliance with these brothers okay and so charles starts giving them his support and then soon you know this this whole pro swedish faction forms as the tensions in the commonwealth are bubbling up you know as, as we talked about the issues last time during john sobieski's reign you know all these issues are starting to really become a problem and in the pro-Swedish faction, you have the Sapia's brothers, you've got the the Lubomirskis, the Patakis, the Lichenskis, like all these great magnate families. These guys supported John Sobieski's faction during the elections and stuff like that. And as this is going on, Augustus is seeing what's happening in, in court, like in Commonwealth politics. And he tries to buy off some of the opposition, you know, through through bribes, giving people certain high positions to try to get them more on his side in politics. However, things just backfire, essentially, as these magnates who he appointed in these crazy positions, they just use this new power to further undermine the king and work against him. And so by the summer of 1703, there's a big session, you know, gets together to essentially discuss the crisis they're in because the poles they want peace, but Charles refuses to let peace happen because he's he, he demands that Augustus get dethroned. And so when the session comes together, they agree to raise the funds for an additional 48,000 troops to be supplemented by an additional 52,000 troops. So this is like, that is a crazy force compared to the 13,000 they had at the very beginning when Charles shows up. Granted, most of those are in your Ukraine, but with the Sezum ag- agreeing to raise pretty much 100,000 men, there's no easy task and augustus he's able to gain more support in the session with all these other magnates and politicians based off of the basis of him trying to defend the commonwealth's legal institutions and defending the constitution and you know everybody's freedoms and stuff and so he's able to gain all this support and the session You know, they also pass that all these pro-Swedish supporters are going to be branded enemies of the state and traitors. All these nobles who support the Swedes will be subject of losing all of their lands and office. But, however, one thing that does not work to Augustus's favor here is that still with all this going on, the Sejim refuses to declare war on Sweden right? These guys, they only raise the troops as a show of force to try to dissuade Charles into invading the Commonwealth's land, maybe make him go to Saxony or go to Russia. But this Sejim essentially radicalizes the opposition. It radicalizes all these Swedish supporters because for one, when the Sejim, you know, comes together, some of these Pro Swedish senators and Sejämiki were excluded from the meeting to get the bills passed. There's a lot of paranoia about the nobles' autonomy. Like, what is Augustus going to do? Is he going to be another John Casimir trying to rally everybody up so he can, like, take power on this wave of patriotic fervor? On top of that, it's like raising this 100,000 men is going to tax the shit out of all of their citizens who've been just under great devastation and financial woes for the last 150 years. On top of this, you know, a lot of these opposition members, they are very paranoid over this Russian Alliance, you know, cause they're like, okay, what do the Russians actually want? Are they doing, are they trying to help us out? Or does this Peter character, have more insidious intentions. And then following this session come November, December of the same year, Peter, he's trying to keep Augustus in the war. And I mean, for obvious reasons, but then on top of that, he's also trying to keep the war limited to the Commonwealth. He doesn't want all this devastation that the Swedes are bringing over to Russian lands, right? And so what Peter decides to do, he decides to go to Augustus. He decides to give them a bunch of financial subsidies. He's going to send him 28,000 extra troops, this and that. Peter's being very helpful. And so where Charles is like pretty much has no equal on the battlefield as a tactician, Peter is much better at the big picture like the strategizing he's much better with the pen he knows polish politics and how things work a lot better and this is something that is going to be very apparent as these tensions boil over into the worst civil war the commonwealth has gone through up to this point okay this is like we're talking tens of thousands in this great civil war you know half of the commonwealth supports the russian alliance and the other half one ally with sweden to get the russian stuff back but as things boil over you know i am a am going to end this episode here and then in the next episode we'll we'll talk about the continuation of the civil war as well as sweden's invasion of saxony um but yeah that's that's going to be it for this episode guys I appreciate y'all take it easy